Welcome to another edition of the High Stakes Diary. I am your host, Peter Overzat. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Pat Corain. Team Fantasyland is now 2-2 two and two in the FFPC main event, a record I don't think we have ever held. And we did it kind of in a bizarre way in that we squeaked by a team with one of the lower scoring weeks. But uh, I'll take the victory. I'll take the victory, too. Yeah, we've never been 2-2. Two and two. Um I don't even know if we've been 500 past uh, week two, because I think both years we got close and then and then didn't finish 500 to end the season, despite making a playoff run on total points that ultimately also fell short. So yeah, this is this is a big uh, milestone for us. And as you mentioned, we didn't actually have that great of a week. We had an okay week, but in a week where everyone had fantastic weeks, um, one of the highest scoring weeks ever, uh, maybe the highest scoring week since I've been playing anyway. And, um, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, we can, uh, on this week's show, we can recap a little bit uh, about what we did with our team last week. There's definitely lots of moving and shaking going around with guys getting promoted in and out of the starting lineup, injuries, all that good stuff. But also, just so you guys can get a peek behind the curtain, really see how this sausage is made. We are recording this on Wednesday evening at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. FFPC waivers uh, run in approximately 31 minutes. Pat and I have not discussed anything really about what we're going to do. So we're going to figure out our waiver ideas on the fly here. I know both of us have done some of our individual research. So yeah, that should add an exciting, uh, pressing element to this show. Yeah, that's that's true. We literally have 30 minutes here to get this figured out. So, uh, And I don't know that we're going to agree on everything, so it'll be interesting. But um, I guess just to recap last week a little bit, and also just to put us under the gun a little bit more here in, in another 10 minutes, but um, we only scored, outscored three teams last week, uh, but we did get that win, which is obviously great. And we also, as Nick Chubb owners, were really excited with his two touchdowns. Uh, both fantastic runs, and we got a little bit of a Dante Moncrief potential breakout, um, which I don't know. You know, we're not probably going to be buying that too much, but it seems like maybe we could just double flex him and Cole this week with uh, Jaguars at Kansas City. That could be uh, a decent strategy, and Allen Robinson on buy. Yeah, and I want to so, give you ups on that because last week I was getting you know excited about the uh, the Cole breakout, and then of course he was kind of back on the uh, the short end of the stick. Dee Westbrook also had a mm-hmm. big game. It kind of seems like a musical chairs a bit with those guys, but yeah, I agree with you. They're now in a great spot uh, at home uh, this week versus the Chiefs, and I know a lot of people are already jumping on Bortles as a trendy, even DFS cash game pick, and uh, because they have a pretty you know, narrow target distribution, almost kind of like the way the Rams do with Woods, Cup, and Cooks, you know, they are too with uh, Keelan Cole, Westbrook and Moncrief all playing around the same amount of snaps and roots run. So yeah, I, I'm, I would be happy with Allen Robinson on by to uh, flex both of those guys this week. Yeah. And uh, Baker Mayfield looked like a, a solid pickup, even though we didn't start him, although we should have started him. We started Case Keenum instead. Um, if only we had thought I, I, <laughs> I texted you on Saturday uh, that we should pick up Jeremy McNichols, who was one of my, uh, you know, enduring loves of fantasy football. I will, uh, I will ask to 
pick him up the next time a team signs him as well. Not giving up on that guy. But, I was going to say, but, uh, I think between the time you sent that text, uh, he was promoted and cut from the team again. Within the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Since the last time we talked, he was promoted and cut, basically, yeah. And I so, will, uh, and just a couple other little things about our team. Yeah, we had some of those breakouts on our bench, the Nick Chubb, Dante Moncrief. Um, we also lost Will Disley to a season-ending injury. We spent some fab on him earlier. Ricky Seals-Jones continues to look pretty solid, um, getting yeah. a lot of air yards. He had two receptions for 52 yards, which in this format, that's 8.2 points, uh, very serviceable. And I, I have a feeling he's going to come into play during the bye weeks. And then Josh Gordon didn't have a huge game in the box score, but he looked like he was starting to get worked in. He had a couple big first downs. He drew a penalty, uh, had a couple good blocks. Um, if he's building the trust uh, of the coaches there and, you know, I, I think there's still optimism for him to carve out a, a defined role there. Me too. No, I'm, I'm actually quite optimistic now on Gordon. Um, think you know another element of that game was that new england absolutely dominated miami so there was no real need to arrow it air it out you know we saw gronk tweak his ankle and and you just knew he wasn't going to come back no matter how serious the ankle was because they just didn't need to do that and i just think uh if gordon's in different game script in that game maybe he even has like a potentially usable week in a week obviously we weren't going to play him either way but but yeah, I like the way he looks, and I think he'll get worked in, and probably, you know, we won't want to start him this week again. It just feels a little bit risky. Uh, we'd have to start him tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I still want yeah another wait and see night, but you know, something I've been hearing a lot of people talk about on podcasts and stuff is a lot of times in the preseason we're so fixated on volume, who's going to get the most volume, uh, which is important. But when the the pie, as as everyone is fond of saying, is so big and you see it in Kansas City and you see it in Los Angeles, there's a ton of fantasy points to go around. And if with Edelman coming back, you know, immediately you might be like, well, there's all these guys. Dorsett still looks good. Patterson's catching long bombs. But if this offense can really get rolling and they're putting up 35, 40 point burgers, uh, I think Josh Gordon's going to have a nice piece of that. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, you want to get into waivers and and uh, try to figure out who we're picking up this week? Yeah, I would say the the first two obvious things are just who isn't going to continue on our team, uh, given them the boot, which obviously Will Disley out season-ending injury, and Case Keenum uh, not looking good at all. We're pretty happy with Baker going forward. Baker's matchup is a little interesting this week versus Baltimore, but I think he's shown enough – uh, to be a plug-and-play starter, and then his schedule gets really juicy uh, coming up after that. They get uh, their home versus the Chargers at Tampa Bay, at Pittsburgh, home versus Kansas City, home versus Atlanta before the bye. I mean, those are wow. all shootout games. That's there. awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. So uh, Mayfield's going to be our guy. And so, yeah, dropping Keenum and Disley and then obviously swapping out our defense and kicker. Our kicker it didn't even make it through the week either. The Rams cut thicken. But uh, I, the, <laughs> the defense and, and kicker stuff is fairly easy. I just have a bunch of uh, placeholder bids in for $1 kickers and $1 defenses. But let's talk about the more interesting stuff, some of the targets we would want to go after with those two roster spots to play with, provided you agree with me that we have two roster spots to play with. 
I 100% agree with you that we have two rush shots to play with. I have no interest in keeping Keenum, and uh, obviously we have to cut Disley. So no argument there. Yeah, so uh, just to give people an idea of the names that I'm saying, and then you can feel free to chime in with any you think I'm leaving off. Some of the guys that are available in our league, and I will tell you, it is it is very thin. Uh, but some of those guys are uh, CJ Uzuma is available. He seems to be the guy there. Uh, everyone kind of think preseason, and last year it was Croft, but uh, it's definitely Uzuma based on the routes and, and the targets there. There is kind of some other fringe tight end guys that are having many breakouts. Jeff Swaim appears to be the guy in Dallas. Nick Vanette now without Disley is, is probably going to be the only tight end there. We've also talked about Vernon Davis in the past as potential handcuff. Um, tight end with upside. And then as far as uh, running backs and wide receivers, I personally think uh, Kiki Kuti QT is uh, kind of the premier guy available this week. There's also Mike Davis, who was available in basically every single one of my leagues, even dynasty leagues. And then Taylor Gabriel coming off a big game and Philip Dorsett. Those were the guys that are on my radar. Any that are on yours beyond that? Uh those are the big ones. I think that I guess there's like Mitch Trubisky's available after mm. he just threw for six touchdowns. So might be someone uh, that we could we could try to grab. I suspect he'll go for quite a bit of money, given that we had to spend, um, you know, over two. What do we spend two ninety two or something on on Mayfield? I bet that's around where Trubisky goes after that performance. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, he would be someone I would want to put in a little bit of a price enforcement bid on, just to, just because why not? Um, although we could we could put that in the, the low double digits, um, something like you know maybe seventy, eighty, something like that. Uh, and Wendell Smallwood is available. He's not someone that I'm super psyched about, but he's like a running back who uh, has been getting a little bit of work this year and. Uh, Jai's got the, this back issue. We're not sure how that's going to play out for the rest of the season. So <laughs> he's someone I think maybe would be like another dollar bid yeah. type of dude. Yeah. And is there anyone now, uh, are, are you backtracking? Because you did send me a message about being intrigued about this man named Pascal, who, which I still don't believe Pascal is even an actual person, much less an NFL player. So what's <laughs> the deal with your infatuation with this guy? Well, I uh, I was actually to, let's give a shout out here to um, Sean Siegel who was uh, just writes one of the best articles of the of the week every week the fifteen and so I was reading the fifteen which is his breakdown of, of uh, all the games he like watch, he like runs for like twenty five miles or something every Monday and watches all the all the football games and then gives us his thoughts and he had a really interesting observation um regarding the Colts that you know when they didn't have T.Y. Hilton you would think that Grant would have been getting more work but instead they were actually involving guys who hadn't been getting much work prior including Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal. so or Pascal I'm, I'm not sure how to say it so uh he's someone that I think maybe we could throw in for a buck but uh my the hype from from reading the Chum was pumped at the bottom has has faded a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I would say he's someone we could uh, easily throw a dollar in for. You said you'd prefer to to pick up Chester Rogers, and you know that'd be fine too. I think I really do feel like we basically have two open roster spots right now, so 
we should probably have a fairly long string of dollar players. And we can get into this maybe a little bit later, but this might be an opportunity where we do a look ahead defense as well. Yeah. Um, just looking at the defensive pickups that you already have. Uh, it's ugly. I mean, our top, the top one you list is Cincinnati um, because they have Miami and Cincinnati's at home. That seems like a fair pickup. But then you have the San Francisco defense, which <laughs> that's not a very good defense. Like I, and That's actually one of my favorite defensive streamer plays this week. I've been trying to add them in most leagues. I mean, they are against Arizona, but Arizona looked I, – I think Arizona is not the team that we saw the first three weeks. They're, they're going to be at least have a little bit of life. And, you know, Rosen might throw some picks, and they're not going to be world beaters on offense. But I, I'm just saying I'm not – necessarily even arguing that they're not the second best defense to add this week but if that is the second best defense it just shows you how weak defense is right now a lot of defenses are are owned slash not many have good matchups this week that aren't owned yeah and it might be a good idea since we do have the two the two roster spots just to try to grab a defense for week six the other just one last point on this point which is that we do go up this week against um the weakest team in the league right now and so i think like in terms of you know you could we could try to play for like a better matchup at quarterback for this week mm. potentially and i think that we're better off with that roster spot trying to look ahead to next week with the defense than I'm, doing something to maximize this week to the fullest yeah i actually wanted to talk about that too. Yeah, we're we're placing or facing a team, you know, he's kind of just in a tough spot. He, you know, he drafted Le'Veon Bell, uh, so that obviously is hurting him. He lost Tyler Eifert uh this week. You know, he has Alshon Jeffrey and Doug Baldwin who are coming off of uh injuries, I believe this will be their uh i guess last week was both of their debuts he doesn't have ty hilton already ruled out his running back plays are a little thin is chris carson gonna play you know javorius allen um you know he has a decent ppr floor but not too scary and you know we basically as you know ben roethlisberger and hopkins are the only guys i look at and really scare me yeah and his bench isn't super strong either i mean he's gonna have to pull in one of these guys but he's got Tariq Cohen on by Peyton Barber, not that he would scare you, is also on by Robbie Anderson's having a really rough season. Devontae Parker even rougher. Tyler Croft is not the handcuff to Eifert that he thought he would be. I bet you this guy goes hard for Uzuma now that I'm looking at his team. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Ryan Griffin is his only other tight end. So, yeah, he's going to have to make a huge bid for Uzuma. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, We'll probably lose to this guy now that we just spent all this time shitting on his team. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but my point is that like we we want to we want to I think maybe take this take this opportunity to um, bank some points for next week if we can. Yeah, although it's interesting because I feel. Uh, sorry if I'm misconstruing, but I felt like you said maybe look to upgrade our QB matchup for this week. But then you were talking about looking ahead for next week with the defense. Oh, maybe. I, yeah, what I meant was. You what we could do with this second roster spot is like we, it's a luxury. So you could use it to upgrade quarterback quarterback for this week as a mm. one week play. But rather than doing that because of who we're playing this week, I would prefer to actually try to use that luxury to look ahead to next week with a defense. So right. that's that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. 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 
So I actually, I had been the one I felt like talking about that, uh, doing the look ahead, and I actually haven't done the look ahead. This is great radio. Uh, have you looked at any defensive match matchups for week six that you liked? Sure haven't. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually have not. In, so. in the, I will say to give us an out here, um, another time that we can do the look ahead is for the Friday waivers as well. Um, That's true. And yeah. even if we, you know, burn a dollar taking a flyer on one of these guys and then swap them back out on Friday after we can go a little bit more in the lab there to see who would be a really good defensive streaming option. And also we might have uh, defenses become available as people swap out uh, defenses right now um, in this waiver process. So I actually think that might be the play if we do want to do the look ahead is to um, – try to focus on that for Friday night. Yeah, I think um, one that just popped out to me as you were talking is Indy, who has the Jets in week six, and they have New England uh, this this week, which obviously was not not someone you're going to want to pick them up against probably. Um, yeah. But yeah, that might be a decent one. Yeah, they've been playing uh, really well. I know I, I read Silva's uh, breakdown, and I know they have um, a bunch of injuries on both sides of the ball. He was talking about their slot corner uh, being out and why that was going to be uh, really good for Edelman. Uh, they're also on the road. Um, so definitely I would want to keep an eye on their injuries and how that sets up, but they've been surprisingly stout on defense. They also get Buffalo in Week 7. Yeah. So we could potentially pick them up for the Jets and Buffalo. So yeah, we don't have to prioritize them, but that would be someone to keep in mind. Yeah. Before we uh, lose the listeners as we get into <laughs> Week Six defenses, let's let's talk about if we've talked about some dollar guys. Uh, is there anyone that you obviously there's no like push the chips all in, uh, but if there was a guy that for me comes uh close to you know say putting more than like a 50 dollar floor bid in for it would be kiki kuti uh it was his debut game last week uh you know had 10 plus targets uh 10 plus catches i think he had over 100 yards receiving just a really great game they're using him in, in a ton of different ways um and now you have fuller with the hamstring injury and lamar miller's banged up and lamar miller hasn't been a big part of their passing game. And they almost were using Kiki Kuti kind of as that running back slash wide receiver, getting all those short routes. So he's really intriguing to me um, as a prospect and both as a fit in this offense. Um, and if some of these injuries can kind of, you know, provide a launch pad for him, he's intriguing to me as someone I could see starting for us. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not buying Kuti at all, frankly. Um, and I think this is I as I was looking into this, I was like, this is probably the the thing that we might argue over because I, I got the sense you were I, I it's not a surprise to me that um that you're high on Kuti because I saw you tweeting about him a little bit. So yeah, I think my thing with Kuti is in order for him to be relevant, he needs Fuller to be hurt. Also, Ellington was out of that game. Um and if you just look at what he actually did in the game, he had 51 air yards, 109 receiving yards. He had he obviously didn't convert all 51 air yards. Um, he, he caught 11 receptions on 15 targets. So 
Of his 109 receiving yards, 92 of them were after the catch. He had an A dot of 3.4. So at your point about them kind of using him in that millet role, I think is dead on. But he had his efficiency metric. This is all from Josh Hermsmeyersairyards.com, by the way. The efficiency metric that Josh prefers racer, um, which is like catch rate and yards after catch, I believe. And it's like the stickiest wide receiver um, efficiency metric that he's been able to find. But it's still an efficiency metric, so it reverts heavily to the mean. Uh, was 2.14, which is like just absolutely absurd. So basically, he had an amazing week efficiency-wise, mostly after the catch, on a lot of targets, 15, that he probably won't see again, assuming Fuller's healthy, because I think Fuller's an excellent wide receiver. And there was another injury ahead of him, too, which maybe won't matter, given that you know, Kuti had such a nice game. Maybe he is the number three guy going forward. But I just... He to me he seems like a roster clogger type dude in redraft. I know in dynasty he's more exciting because um, he's a rookie, good prospect. But he's just not someone that really excites me. You need a ton of chaos, I think, for him to be to have to put up another week like we just saw. And the see, guy I would prefer is Mike Davis because the, that chaos that we tend to see happen, at, we tend to see that type of chaos happen more often at running back. And, and, and I, I could see Davis taking, you know. I could see Davis being startable before Kutik. See, yeah, I this is where I disagree of him needing all of this stuff to go right for him. I think he's going to be usable the rest of the season. He might have had his best game of the season this week, but I think he's going to be very, very usable. I don't see any reason why we see all of these wide receivers, um, the kind of the trio of wide receiver, and they don't have the tight end, and they don't have a running back who catches passes. And Deshaun Watson can support multiple receivers, so I don't see any reason why he can't be um, sustain just a, a baseline level of production, um, getting that kind of targets. And you know, I know you read the but, uh, but, but the targets that he's getting. My point is, I don't buy those targets. It was in a total shootout against the Colts. The game, but went have to you overtime. seen the, Tex- the Texans have been playing shootouts all season? Uh, I mean, they haven't really been playing shootouts. Like they lost to the Titans earlier. They didn't put up a ton of points. Like they're not. Um, I don't know. I actually feel like that offense has been somewhat disappointing. The you know the way that that I was expecting them to come in, they didn't. They haven't really had a ton of great offensive outputs the way I think people were were thinking they would, given what Watson showed, and you know his uh, his time before he was injured. So I don't know. I think it's a mirage that he, that Kuti uh, is going to be able to see this type of volume. And you know, for example, Taylor Gabriel. Like he is seeing a, quite a bit of volume, and it's a, it's been over a number of weeks, and he's probably the only, you know, he's the the secondary wide receiver, but you know maybe even the top wide receiver this past week in Chicago, and by way of comparison, like he didn't have 15 targets, but he did have 74 air yards, so more than Kuti. Um, well, here's and he also thing. had 104 reception yards and a couple touchdowns, so he's actually coming off an even bigger game. Um, and I think he's more likely to get a bigger piece of the pie going forward in Chicago. Um, because we do only have nine minutes until these bids gets to get in, I will say this. I will not let you let us ever put in a bid lower for Kiki Kuti than we did for Will Disley, a tight end in a timeshare that was like the fifth option on the Seahawks. So that that's where I draw the line. It's a tight end premium league. And, and I should add, he, he was... <laughs> 
he was in a very similar position where it looked like this guy is a rookie coming on the scene, and he only had one guy to beat out for targets at that position and not two. So, well, well, look, uh, I, I, I stand I will... by that the post week one Disley bid in a tight end premium league. Yeah, I will just say, and and you mentioned the dynasty point, but I I don't ever want to make a habit of overlooking twenty one year old guys that in their first game put up 11 catches and 109 yards in the road of his screener. And I know you read it, the uh, Sean's article, his line looked very, very similar to what Tyler Boyd and Stefan Diggs did. Whenever you'd look at Boyd's lines this year, you would see a lot of the similar stuff that, that low usage or uh um, not far off the line of scrimmage usage, just peppered with targets. That stuff is extremely valuable in a PPR league. Yeah, but what we know with Boyd is that he's definitely the number two wide receiver in that offense. We've seen it over every single week this season. There's no one else. Like John Ross had a touchdown and he pulled up lame on it. He's not going to be able to take over Boyd's high volume role in that offense. And I just, you know, Kuti's not going to pass Will Fuller this season. He he just isn't unless Fuller gets hurt. And that's why I say he needs stuff to happen because Fuller is is awesome. And so is Hopkins. So he, he just has a much harder time getting back to those 15 targets I, I you know Sean's point is valid and it's and it's but I think it's a valid point in dynasty I just have a harder time seeing him as a premium ad in redraft but the reason he is a premium and it is not only did he do that when Fuller's playing Fuller is actually questionable this week with a hamstring injury hamstrings are the death knell for speedsters we don't know how long this is going to be, how the severity of that injury. There is a lot of uncertainty, and he's proven he can step up. So if if Fuller misses a game or two, first of all, that's immediate production for those weeks and gives him a chance to solidify himself in the offense with more reps. So I actually think it's a mute point because whatever amount we're going to agree on, he's going to go for way more. He's going to go for more, yeah. Yeah, but I want to put in a bid similar to what we did in the Disley, like a, a high 80s just... Um, all right, I'll... I'll I'll give you the Disley bid. Floor bid. All right. And what do you want on yeah. Mike Davis? That we're going rapid fire. Well, so now. That, yeah. So that's the problem, right? So you look at, um, let, let me just throw one more thing at you here because we both really respect John Paulson at four for four and his rankings. Just looking at his rest of season rankings, he has Taylor Gabriel at wide receiver 58, Kuti at wide receiver 70. He actually has Cole Beasley and Albert Wilson ranked ahead of Kuti as well. No one else that we could pick up other than those guys, and I would prefer Kuti over both of them. But uh, Mike Davis is running back 55. He's the highest available running back. So personally, I would I would definitely rather have Davis than Kuti because it's just easier to see, right? Like yeah. Davis got the run. We also have Penny. So it's yeah. sort of like we're locking up the non-Carson Seattle running backs. So you you we're creating a bet with, with a Davis-Penny pairing just a bet against Carson and we win. So I would love to get Davis yeah. for, you know, say I don't know what it's going to take on Davis. Let's say the low 100s. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm completely fine with that bid. He, he's going to go higher as well. I mean, running back is so thin in this league, and there's a few teams that have been saving their fab money. Um, I would, if I had to ballpark it, I'd say he's going to go for 275. Um I'd say Kuti's going to go for high 100s, Mike Davis high 200s. Yeah, that's probably right. Would you go to the mid 100s or mid to, like, let's say 160 or 170 with Davis? 
I would. Um, I think you make a good point, and you know, we aren't the most uh, RB strong team. We have Freeman coming back. Um, yeah. So what 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 number do you want there for Davis? Let's do let's do one seventy six. That'll give us a a puncher's chance at it. I mean, yeah. if. I don't know. You never know with these guys. Maybe some people just aren't buying it. Um, maybe it's funny. We are playing the the Carson and Eifert owner, so he might be making aggressive bids. On uh, are you putting these bids in by the way? Because it's nine fifty six now. Yeah, okay, that's why we're fashioning it. I mean, like, are you actually doing it as we speak? Oh because, yeah. Okay. Good. All right. All right. Uh, I agree. We're we're in agreement. Let's move on to who who's the third guy. Um, I would say it's either Gabriel or Dorsett. Probably Gabriel. Okay. I mean, let's do Gabe. I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not actually that pumped on Gabriel as much as I kind of used him to argue against Kuti, but Gabriel is going to be, is going to be good for as long as, uh, and I, by good, I mean not doing what he did uh, this week, but he's going to be solid while Anthony Miller's out. Um, it just narrows that, that target tree. And obviously they're not going to play the bucks every week, but, um, I think he's worth like a floor bit of like 30 or something. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and then Uzuma, I think, will go pretty high. But I don't know that he's that worth it. I mean, I think Uzuma is, again, to, not to harp on the, the Disley thing, but I think he's a better add than Disley was. The way this offense is playing and the way... Um, Eifert seems to like to target the tight end and it doesn't seem like Croft is a factor. So you would want to put in like, let's say like one Oh three on Uzuma. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we would get him. I, my guess is he goes for like one fifty. I'm even okay. Going less. If you're like, I'm not, I don't love Uzuma, And I feel like sometimes these tight ends end up being, I guess you're hoping for them to break out, but the tight ends just like these kind of prospects aren't going to break out. And I just feel like it's a guy that we end up cutting and then we just that's how I the, feel blew the money yeah that's how I feel so why don't we just do like a floor bit of like 55 okay um and then of of the grouping just like like dollar tight ends how do you rate Swaim, Vanette and Vernon well I think Vanette would be the the highest yeah I because feel like no one's really just talking. went down yeah no one's talking about him and I feel like I know it's a deep league, but I I feel like he is intriguing without Disley. I think he's intriguing too, and his last two weeks had been um, he had been actually kind of emerging. Yeah, because I've been you know we've been keeping an eye on this as the as Disley owners, uh, and over the last couple weeks, let me just pull up his line because it real it quick, was pretty we got decent. A, we got a minute left. Do you want to do more than a dollar on Vanette? Yeah, let's do like twenty five bucks on Vanette, just because. Yeah, the last last yeah. couple of weeks he had a whopper of of point three, which is actually pretty okay. All right, and that would rise with Disley up. Final bids. Let's are do in. like <laughs> let's do like three dollars for the Bengals defense if you can get that in in time. Just because uh, I, I, I okay yeah yeah I'm worried yeah, um, and then like maybe two dollars for San Francisco because then it gets to Dallas and Kansas City. When you're playing the Kansas City defense, something has gone awry. Dude, I feel like right now the uh, when they spin the roulette reel and the dealer starts waving his hand of like <laughs> no more action as I like set all these chips down on the table. Um, yeah, I got I got all. Of I'm that. honestly so glad that I uh, I took the extra time to talk about our, our 
our previous week. It just gives the hopefully this stresses. I'm actually a little bit stressed right now. Hopefully Good. that's coming you through. You should be. You said uh, <laughs> we're going to start at 9:15. You didn't get here till 9:21. We would add uh, six extra minutes for this. <laughs> it this will be fun. We though. just would have spent it talking about Kuti anyway. So who yeah, cares? we just would argue. I do think you are uh, you're underestimating him a little bit. I you know I could be, but I, I'm. I just think like if I am underestimating him. It, it's because uh, either Fuller's injury is more severe than I'm thinking it will be, or he like emerges much later in the season as you know he finally carves out a sustainable role somehow. Because I don't know, the two guys ahead of him are studs. Yeah, yeah I mean, th- th- I, you. This is more like a bigger philosophical question, but these kind of um, waiver ads, guys in this deep of a league. Um, that are going to be, let's not even say league winners, let's say just serviceable, like, bi-week starters. Um, they never they never seem obvious at the time, right? And I guess for me, I just feel like there's so many positive indicators for Kiki. And again, I'm saying, I'm not saying relative to the whole league. I'm saying relative to the type of players that are, yeah. are available on the waiver. A 21-year-old, that many targets in an offense that's going to score points, um, and some uncertainty with the other people in his position group. I just think he's one of the more attractive wide receivers we will see on the waiver wire this year. Yeah, he could, he could be. I, I just that's that's not my opinion on it. But then my opinion in general is that wide receivers are easier to fill in because there's just more of them, and you know people do get hurt at that position too. And then you know a guy like. Chester Rogers or Zach Pascal or something starts to get targets, you know, potentially like if Hilton were to go down long term, one of those guys would would immediately become like a low end flex the same way Kuti, I think, probably would be, uh, you know, this season, too. So anyway, I, I like to fire my bullets at running back a little bit more just because it takes uh, a little bit less chaos for them to truly become a league winner. Like if, you know, if Carson were to go down, then Davis could be a fucking stud for us. So. Yeah, I wish I would have. I'm. We were not able to do it in FFPC because of the way it's just blind bids processing twice a week. But he was available in a couple of my dynasty leagues, Mike Davis, and I mean I was on the road, so I wasn't you know as locked into making those kind of moves. But Mike Davis should have been an easy add uh, in dynasty leagues the second Carson was scratched, just as a speculative late bench. I know. Bench. And no one you're, did you're it. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And no one did it. Yeah. And he's he was available in like all of my dynasty leagues. Um, like I'm in a deeper dynasty league where no one's available ever. And I basically spent my entire budget to try to get him. Um, I need to see if that went through. But I, I literally spent like, you know, like almost $800 of my $1,000 budget on Mike Davis. Yeah, and I'm so, mad because I normally do it like earlier this year when like Rex Burkhead was scratched. I went and just picked up Kenyon Barner, you know, just on the off. The Edo Smith pickup was yeah. was uh, the same thing. But um, yeah, who knows? It's uh, it would be it it does make sense, like you said, where all we're doing would be making a bet uh, against Chris Carson um, if we were able to land him. I mean, it, again, I I'm still would be happy to land him, but just that offense and the way Pete Carroll and his stubbornness with things. And it's, it's the, the, the flames are fueled by him kind of constantly lying to the media and, and doing all this stuff when he talks up the running backs and, but just the whole handling of drafting Penny 
and the way they talk about him just tilts me to no end. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Is it stubbornness with him? It's like he's there is sort of this like it's like a really screwed up meritocracy, but there is some element of meritocracy to it. Like they play guys who really no other team would play, you know, like they Carson Rawls, like these dudes who just like come out of nowhere and they're like, yeah, you know what? You're going to start for us and maybe not for very long. We're going to bring in someone else and see if they can take the job from you. But it is actually, I think it's actually kind of cool that um, he's just like, actually Mike Davis is running the best right now. So maybe he's our starter. I don't know. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, but he's all. They're also idiots too because they had Alex Collins on their roster and then let him go. So I'm not like convinced that they're <laughs> yeah. like super sharp with identifying running back talent. No, I don't actually. That's actually not what I mean. Like it's almost like they're just. I don't think they're super sharp, but they're at least getting these guys on the field. Like a lot of coaches, I think, are like, "Oh, this is definitely the, our best running back, so we won't even play the other guys." They're at least saying, like, hey, this dude might be better, so let's throw him out there and see what happens. I, I think while it's not maybe the sharpest you could be, it's still sharper than some of the, the dopes that we see coaching NFL teams. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, in the past, I mean, the one thing that I kind of hang my hat on is when someone does get hot, they've generally been willing to ride that guy. Um, right. And uh, obviously that's not the case this year, and I think – in the short term, at least, it's settling into being like a, a three-way running back by committee because Mike Davis did look good. Um, I thought Penny actually looked good uh, in the game for the first time this season against Arizona. Uh, and then, obviously, Carson's going to be back. So, at least in the short term, I think it's going to be a mess. But I'm hopeful by the end of the season, Penny continues to carve out more and more. Yeah, I mean, what I – but it – that's one of the reasons why I, why I like the Davis bit. I think I'm also holding out hope. I think that's a realistic possibility. But if we do land Davis here, and when will we know? A couple of minutes here. But if we do land Davis, then we just have to we, – we have two things to hope for, and we only need one of them to, to pay off for us to win. Yeah, well, we are uh, – we'll, we'll wrap it up here so we don't ramble on too long. Although, Pat, maybe uh, when you are editing the episode, you could add in just a little postscript because, I mean, we built so much drama – uh, with these bids, you could uh, let the listeners know uh, post fact uh, what ended up shaking out after those frantic bids. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. All we'll, right. Uh, we'll go ahead and do that. Excellent, guys. Well, thank you as usual for listening. If you guys ever want to chat with us about our team, you can do that on Twitter. Pat's been dusting off. Oh, you wait. Know. They just came through. They Did just they? came through. We got Nick Vanette and we didn't get anyone else. We still have Case Keenum somehow. How the fuck. fuck did that happen? Did all those oh. guys really go for that much? What the hell? Wow, so that means... Well, I guess, yeah. So obviously, because in that bid group, um, it's okay, though, because we were going to um, drop Keenum on Friday, probably for a look-ahead defense anyways. Um, but yeah, that means that entire bid group, uh, Kiki Kuti, um, Mike Davis, Gabriel... Dorset, uh, Uzuma, all of those guys went for for boatloads. Yeah, our opponent too appears to have not put in any bids because <laughs> I don't see any new players on his team. He's just packing excellent. it in. Uh, excellent. That's what I want. That's what I want to hear. Man. Yeah, Uzuma went to a different team. Yeah, it, we just got outbid for everyone, dude. Holy shit! 
That yeah. was completely pointless exercise. It was an exercise for us to get like a two dollar Nick Bennett. Goodness. So, well, yeah. There you go. Uh, that is what happens <laughs> when you franchise. Hope you got them. more out of that than we did. Yeah. Hey, we got our Cincy defense and uh, Graham Gano. Welcome to the squad, Graham. Graham Gano. Come on down. You're the next you kicker. Yeah. Uh, over under on number of care, uh, kickers we roster this season. Uh, how many weeks does this thing go? Uh, well, you know, we're going to be playing until um, week 16. So. 16, baby. Yeah, I think we are f- four for four. I think we've had a different kicker each week. Um, all right. Thank you guys for tuning in. I think I was saying if you guys want to talk to us uh, about our team, about our moves, where are we going wrong, what are the leaks in our FFPC main event game because we clearly have them, you can talk to us on Twitter at Pat Corain and at Peter Overzet. We will be here with you guys all season long. These will drop into your feed on iTunes, Pocket Cast, wherever you download your podcast, subscribe to this feed, the High Stakes Diaries, and we will see you guys again next week on Saturday. Hey everyone, this is Pat Corain again. Uh, if you listen this far, you might be curious about what the bids actually came in as, so we had to finish up before we were able to see, but here they are. Mike Davis actually went for $560, so uh, way ahead of where we put our bid in at 176 but we were the next highest bid. Pete and I have talked afterwards. We feel pretty good about that bid, actually. More of a price enforcement than anything, but um, you know, when you're the second highest bid and, and you're not necessarily blowing your waiver budget that that's uh i think decent process um we were the third highest bid on kiki he went for four hundred dollars uh the second highest bid was 254 we only had 89 there really was no chance we were going to get him um as you heard i'm not as high on kiki as pete is so uh, i probably cost us kiki if he ends up blowing up it'll be on me but i'm not too worried um and yeah, that no one else really went for that high. Robert Turbin ended up going for 193, who we didn't even talk about. Taylor Gabriel, who we mentioned, went for 153. Uh, we had some real low bid on him, 31, just kind of a price enforcement. There was another bid higher than us too. So that pretty much uh, wraps up all the interesting bids. We ended up with Vinette um, for a real cheap, uh, 27 bucks, and uh, happy enough with that. I think Vinette could be flexible here down the stretch, depending on. Uh, how they uh, dish out that extra volume they'll have with Disley out for the season. All right. Thanks, guys. We will talk to you next week.